Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 251 on Wednesday, the 24th of April, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we won't be presenting any half-baked ideas that hopefully fool investors, we'll be talking about how Nissan helps Japanese prosecutors keep going behind bars. Also, we discuss how three is a magic number for Jaguar. And we recommend watching some GT86 on gravel. And yes, I did say Wednesday. Yes, you did. But first, quick one. Anyone interested in the Festival of the Unexceptional for 2019 need to know that tickets are available for spectators. Get in quick. There are not lots and lots. Zoom in. Go through the uh, link in the show notes that will, as ever, we always have links. Link in the show notes and that will take you to a page that asks whether you want to try and uh, enter your car for the concourse or whether you want to book a ticket to be a spectator. So if you want to do either of those, or maybe even both, do it. Well, I was going to warn people about doing both. If you enter a classic into the display bit, if you can still do that, that includes two entry tickets anyway. So don't feel that just because there's two people, then you have to have two, one of each. I I saw them clarify that. People were booking lots, and they were a bit worried that people were overbuying by mistake. Ah, okay, cool. Well, not overbuying because it's free, if I remember rightly. But um, they were they were getting ones that they shouldn't, which would just stop, which they didn't need, which would stop other people getting in. So. Yeah. Anyway, should we get on with the follow up? Other follow up, less less fun follow up. <laughs> yeah, way less fun follow up. Okay, go and gate everyone. Let's be relatively rapid on this. But April twenty third, that was yesterday. Yesterday, Carlos going has been there's been another charge uh, set against him which i think is the fourth or fifth this is fourth indictment fourth one fourth one thank you that's what i thought um uh, and this time is a new charge of of redirecting 5 million dollars uh, from nissan by obscure tortuous routes via Amman and Lebanon, via a company called Good Faith Investments. Every <laughs> irony going. Um, God, it must be it must, it must be brilliant to come up with these these company names. Because you go, what is the complete opposite of what we're going to do? <laughs> uh, doing good financial financial management, etc. Uh, so. Now this is a biggie um, because supposedly these were used for for a yacht for his sudden startup company, uh, and if this is the case, this is proper grown up embezzlement. Yeah, this is the first time he's supposed that they've charged him for specifically gaining an advantage from this money personally. Yes, absolutely. Whereas before, it's just been reallocated around mm-hmm. bank balances and stuff. This time they're saying he has personally got hold of this cash to do things on his own with. Yeah. This is a significant change. This is a, a significant step, which is why we're, we're covering it. Mm-hmm. Coming this time, because it is, for his personal enrichment, not were not necessary from a business standpoint, quote, unquote, from Nissan's criminal complaint against him. This could extend his current detention. I'm trying to find all the right words here in amongst all the wrong ones to to extend all that already. You know, 108 j- days in jail from the November arrest. He's back in jail again. 
Uh, and uh, yes, it's getting getting rather complicated. Uh, it's also come to the point, due to the, the length of time that he's spent in prison on this, is that people are... These repeated detentions, extensions, all these kind of things, even the United Nations Commission Against Torture and the Center for Prisoners' Rights are saying that this case in particular is is exposing possibly some of the failings with the Japanese system. There is minimum, minimal even, minimal chance for him to actually meet with his lawyers, uh, with the defense lawyers. And this kind of thing is, is sort of upping the level of scrutiny that on on Japan's legal system. One of the reasons people are scrutinizing it so much is because it has a near-perfect conviction rate, uh, according to this Automotive News Europe article. Yes. So, you know, they're very good at... Uh, because people possibly can't put together a defense case uh, very successfully, then that means that, that basically the prosecutors end up getting their way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lots of lots of stuff like that coming through there. So, yes, that's the big change in there, and I've waffled a bit more than I intended. My apologies. Well, I'll be quick with the latest Dieselgate update. They're all going to jail! <laughs> and that is that German prosecutors are investigating a, and I'm going to quote here again from uh, Automotive News Europe article, a, a possible breach of fiduciary duty by the Volkswagen Group because they've made bonus payments to an unnamed executive who was suspended in the wake of the Dieselgate scandal. Uh, there's, there's, this article is actually quite interesting because it does go in to, sh- to talk about how VW, because they've been charged in the, in the past with how they've misled investors because they didn't make it clear that they uh, had the defeat device in place and they were actually breaking the law. First of all, they're saying that, well, actually, the lawyer said, don't say anything because we're not sure that this software does break the law. Okay, whether that's Europe or America, different. That isn't made clear in this little segment. So I'm presuming they mean Europe because in America, obviously, it does. But also, they were advised not to bother telling the ins- the investors because they didn't think the fines would exceed 150 million euros. And the last line of this article states: "So far, the scandal has cost Volkswagen more than 29 billion euros." I think it's past 150 million, then, hasn't it? I yeah, I'm not great at maths, but I think that 29 billion is more than 150 million, and mm. I think they are just hoping. Because they they can't they can't be holding that out as a real reason because anyone who sits there and said it's all right we'll get away with this because you know we won't get fined that much being a European company in America one and then Europe won't get very cross with us two <laughs> so uh, all very either naive hmm. or crossing of fingers and toes was happening and they didn't get away with it optimism in buckets I think yeah. yeah. So that's the latest on the... But they aren't naming... Sorry, just to go back to the actual story. They mm. aren't naming the executive. Prosecutors have not named them. So it's one of five <laughs> who have been indicted to, or are being questioned. So we'll see how that one pans out. Tricky one, that. But here's actually a bit of follow-up from a organisation we are more than happy to stick the boot into. TFL. Where they deserve a little bit of a pat on the back. They do. And this one comes from Company Car Today, 
not one of our regular sources, but but a but a good one. Linky in the show notes. Yes, we are quite good at sticking the boot into TFL and and possibly deservedly so sometimes. No, no, it's not so much TFL, but it's the policies that TFL get forced to implement or have to implement. Yes, forced, maybe, forced maybe, probably. Uh, and in this case, it's the it's the ULES, the ultra low emission zone that was introduced earlier on this month. Uh, and we mentioned fleets, and we mentioned you know how difficult it was for them to magically all have have new diesel vans and vehicles that comply and fit within the ULEs. Well, it turns out that if if uh, fleets have actually signed up to the sort of batch payment, you know, so so they've registered their fleets uh, as a fleet with TFL through the appropriate portal for doing that. But that's via the congestion charge, isn't it? That's how they know about them. It's it's like the auto pay system for the congestion charge. So this is how uh, TFL well, know that together. they yeah yeah but then they know that they are a fleet. That's true. Yes, that is how they're grouping them. So they've then they're then saying that what they've been doing is they've they've reached out to reached out. I'm so sorry to six thousand managers and operators mm-hmm. uh, who are registered that way, uh, and they did it in the run up to say, well, look, you know, what are you doing in terms of this? Are you aware of it? Do you need more information? Do you know there are schemes to help us, to help you with this? Mm. Uh, and all these sorts of things. What they are pointing out, though, is that where there are grey fleets, so to speak, so it's, it's a bit like grey IT, so where there are fleets that aren't really registered as fleets or, or people work using a private or semi-private vehicle or it's, or it's a fleet which doesn't often come into London, so that people are registered them themselves the registers sing single vehicles mm. then they they of course couldn't couldn't reach out to those people because they can't tell who they are but yeah they have actually been being proactive and as helpful as they possibly can be uh, in response to this so it's just worth flagging that up for everyone yep thank you daniel for pointing this out to us next one your things haven't been hacked the way we People thought they might have been hacked, Andrew. No, absolutely, they have not. Th- this is Andrew, by the way, covering a non-hacking story. I just want to make that clear. Uh, when it first came to my attention, it was a hacking story, but since has yes, been clarified, and we're happy to make sure the clarification is clear. But Car2Go, which is a American-based... It's not American-based. It's a BMW-Mercedes joint venture. Yeah, but it's in America. No, it's not. It's in Europe, too. Oh, right. So it's well, Sorry, I misunderstood that. I knew it was BMW and Mercedes had got together to do ride sharing. Well, the company that, that, that the entity that does that is Car2Go. Now, in Chicago, over 100 vehicles had been um, misappropriated by naughty <laughs> people <laughs> using the Car2Go app. However, they did not hack into the app to do this. They have just access the car through fraudulent means. So they that could mean that they've put in false names and addresses, false payment systems, stuff, stuff like that, which means they can get in. But the app has not been hacked itself remotely, and Car2Go want to make it very clear that no registered users of the app's information has been accessed by anybody outside of the company. So that that isn't the case. But 21 people have been arrested so far by the Chicago police because these these vehicles were then used to do naughty things by naughty people, not just being stolen, but yeah, <laughs> and then you yes used in used in burglaries and these kind of these kind of things. Yes. So, uh, so, so somebody's yeah. found a way in, however that is, and has exploited it 
only in Chicago. This is not this has not happened in any of the other urban areas they're in. This has only mm-hmm. happened in Chicago. So that gives me the impression that it's a, like a single user access. I think so. I think part of the thing here is that with these car to go apps, what car to go system, what happens is you actually leave the keys inside the car, uh, and then you lock and unlock the car. Uh, with via an app by some means. I have no idea if it communicates directly or I'm sure it goes via a central server. Um, but then you, you use your phone to, to unlock it. Um, and then you get in, take the key out of the key hidey place, uh, and then, and then drive off. And when you park up, you turn it off, put the key in the key hidey place and tell the app that you're finished with the car. Uh, and then that relocks it again, mm. uh, by that means. So yeah, so somebody's, Somewhere in there, either physically or otherwise, has has uh, has been been pretting about. Yes, but it wasn't hacked, as was reported. Because whenever we mention an app, it's obvious. It's a it's a it's an obvious. Do, do step. some pe- do some people have a Pavlovian reaction to that, Andrew? No one I know, but I, others really? out there do. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, Alan, <laughs> our EV correspondent. I do seem to be our EV correspondent at the minute. Google Maps has just made a change to their maps, which means that if you're looking for an EV charging point and you can search for EV charging points near a location and any of these kind of things with Google uh, Google Maps, either in the mobile app or on the website, then when you look for a charging point or you click on a charging point, it will show you how busy or operable uh, that charging point is. Now, this covers dum, 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 dum. Charge Master, EVgo, SEMA Connect, possibly more in there. And if it's covered by Charge Master, then that covers an awful lot of them mm. uh, because Charge Master cover the Polar Network and all the, the Charge Place Scotland and many of these, these ones, they cover the billing for that stuff too. So that's probably the majority of, uh, well, over half the charge points in the UK anyway and when you click on it it will show you uh, whether things are available how many ports are available all these kind of things on there you can do this currently using services like Zapmap Zapmap thank you I've had a complete mental blank because Zapmap's the one that I use this is this is this sounds good and this is a nice step by Google Maps but I would personally be using Zapmap for this yeah. information I, I I have more confidence in ZapMap. I'm not saying that I'm not confident in Google, but I, I know ZapMap. I am comfortable with it. I am comfortable that they are up to date with their information. Well, I think it all runs from the same ChargeMaster feed, you see. Okay. So it probably doesn't make a difference there. But you can do it through Google Maps. Now, the thing that differentiates stuff like ZapMap is that I notice this doesn't work for all of the ChargeMaster ones, certainly around me. So the charger here in the middle of Corby is not, you click on it, it doesn't tell you the ports, it doesn't tell you the status. Uh, whereas uh, you go to others and it and it does. But I know that ZapMap definitely has that. It has far, far more chargers than Google Maps does uh, there. So, uh, so yes, it, this could be helpful to you if you're someone who doesn't like having lots of apps or is just spontaneously going on an EV trip without necessarily having done any preparation or research at all. So you're saying for the mainstream press journalists? Yes. (laughs) Because they may have heard of Google Maps. (laughs) 
<laughs> they may have heard of Google Maps. It also points out, everyone, you don't have to use the motorway chargers. Yes. If I see one more thing by journalists and all they're doing is using the motorway-based chargers and then going, oh, the... Uh, well, there's been no investment whatsoever in the uh, in the EV charging infrastructure in the UK. It's still rubbish. And they probably don't speak like that. Then it really, really riles me because because I know that's pants because well, of experience. Well, no, what it is is we've become lazy in the way we do things. So we expect any new technology. Is that we to as in we? Society. Society. Oh, that's society, not just you, not, not not you, just and, you and I. No, okay. not just you and me. No, we, we get lazy in other areas. <laughs> but we Ooh. in society have become lazy in the way we do things, so we expect any new technology, even if it is new, to be at least the same level, if not better, than the existing, rather than think, well, hang on, this might be new. Perhaps there's a bit of a bit of slack needs to be cut here and there. Yeah, even then. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I'm not sure I completely agree with you, to be honest, but... But I know I understand your point uh, on this particular topic. I'm not sure I agree with you. Okay, no problem. But sticking with EVs, now I remember having a conversation with friend of the show Gavin Braithwaite Smith about community EV car schemes, and since he mentioned it to me and explained it, I've thought it's a brilliant idea and have muttered it many, many times on this show. And it appears that there are more and more of these schemes cropping up over Wales in rural areas. Right. And it, I just think it's an excellent idea. That What happens is, is the community, uh, usually with the backing of a local government, has a, an electric car or two in their area. They are then booked by a system of local residents who need it to get to job interviews, do the weekly shop, stuff like that, where they wouldn't normally be able to get out from the community to a, a larger town or something like that. Uh, and then they bring it back and then it's plugged in and stuff like that. And when it's not being used, then other uh, schemes like the dial ride can then use the electric car instead of the diesel-powered vehicle, If particularly if there's only a small number of people requesting the dial ride well, no, it's just there and it's shared and it's always fueled and nobody has to worry about that. Exactly. Kind of I just, I just think it's a really, really good idea, and it's, it's great to see this being actually, actually being used. Although in this BBC uh, news article that you'll be able to read from the show notes, there is one of the schemes that they talked about has actually shut since then. So it's, it's not easy to make it work and be financially viable, but I think there's a lot of education for people that would help with that, particularly on the dial-a-ride side of things. If if it was made clear, look, there's going to be a community driver who is paid for that will take people on various day, you know, on across the mm-hmm. across the week to do these trips and that may help, you know, it's it's more of a it's not it's because of the size of them, they're not buses, but then it is it's that sort of service. This kind of um, scheme is very, very useful in small villages and rural areas mm-hmm. where, you know what, there might not actually be a fuel station. Exactly. I mean, I was away in Northumberland and the number of old petrol stations that have been just capped off was mm-hmm. phenomenal. It was, there were so few petrol stations around, not that it caused me a problem, but there were so few that you just happened to come across it was mm-hmm. quite staggering. Yeah, yeah, it really is these days. Hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was a bit of a almost nice 
story yes. for a change. <laughs> a little, little bit feel good there. And there's a nice picture of an old lady who declares it was a godsend all round. So yeah, well, it must be good then. But moving on to the article of stating the bleed and obvious, Alan. I, lo- I love the way that you get the cuddly ones and I get the ones about ammo to a accident. Well, I was going to have this one. Act soaring 88%. I was going to have this one because there's a motorway near me where they, they did shut the lights off. Well, let's get to the headline. This this is a story on motoring research, but it's accidents on UK motorways where lights are off at night, be it because they're turned off or broken, have nearly doubled over the past nine years. Because if you remember when the recession hit and yeah. how we were going to deal with the crippling debt the country has we were going to basically switch off all the services <laughs> yeah because <laughs> we couldn't still, afford i mean them. i live in northamptonshire they're still doing no, that no, they do it around here as well they still mm. do it around here because you know new money has not turned up to replace the whole left so this is they started turning off the lights and it seems that now whether it's causation and correlation are are, are create are, are linked, then you know this is the, then uh, then since then there has been a rise in the number of accidents. But I don't know. I'm not quite sure if correlation shows causation on this one. I, I do have a bit of trouble with it. And by the way, when it says 88, percent it's it's not a huge it's not a huge number. I mean, it's still too many. It's always too many. But it isn't actually a huge number, given the the low numbers that we were talking about to begin with. No, it's good to see that motoring research are as interested in looking at both sides of statistics as we are. <laughs> it's a nice line. I'm I'm quite pleased with that one. The 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 fact that it's in there. But you know, this eighty odd percent rise, it it is it's significant. But it, it's it's a rise from it's about sixty mm. six, sixty deaths. Uh, and and by the way, that's gone up and down. It hasn't just been a gradual rise. It wasn't a sudden rise when they started turning the lights off, which is one of my reasons why I'm a bit. Yeah, is 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 that it? Still lit, by the way, has has gradually, roughly been falling. Yep. over time, over the same period. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Be more careful on unlit motorways. <laughs> yes, That's, I'm sorry. It's the only. It's the only outcome I can give to that. It's the only. It's it's the only action I I need you to to ask to 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 follow, sir. Okay. Yeah, quite right. In some, frankly, shocking news. Podcast breaks a car, and I've taken this because I didn't want Alan to get all sad, having to say. No, I'm not all sad. I... Having to say bad things in an article that involves. No, he's already had to say something isn't a hack tonight. <laughs> in a master. So what's happened is that a chap wrote into the Reply All podcast, which every once in a while do answering listeners' questions on some some odd and obscure tech problems. This chap wrote in and said, if I play this particular podcast, it balks my 2016 Mazda 6's infotainment system if I'm relaying it to the to the system via the Bluetooth from my phone. Now, I don't know whether it's iPhone or Android. That, I, I don't, that doesn't matter as it transpires. It turns out it's completely immaterial. Yeah, but... <laughs> so, and this is the 99% Invisible podcast. And mm-hmm. if you want, there is there is link in the show note to the Reply All episode, which is actually quite entertaining because you can, you can listen to the lengths of investigation that the podcast goes to. They create sort of dummy podcasts to try and test out theories of what messes this up. 
And the number of people that get involved in this is quite immense to be presenters for these fake podcasts. And it boils down to, if you again click the link in the show note to the Reddit thread, it boils down to the fact that in particular programming language, if you use percentage, that tells the language, oh, the next thing that happens is going to be an instruction to do something. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's fallen over. And I think that 99% have tweaked how they put that information out in the RSS feed. Yes, because what was happening was it was the, it turns out the answer was because it was a percentage I. Yes. It was a percent space I, and as a result, when the, the system looked at it, when it read it, it went percent, okay, right, well, so I know to ignore the next space, and then I know an I. So it was following the percent I command that was in there, and that was mucking up. It was freezing the system. It meant that it would keep on playing for about two minutes, and then it would the infotainment system would reboot itself. Yeah, And that's just what that command happened to make it do. So 99% podcast have worked with these guys to try and work out a different way because he can't change the name of his podcast. No, no. He's been going for years and he's very, it's, a, it's an incredibly popular podcast as well. Now, it's not specifically the master system that does this, is one of the other things, is that many people are saying that it does it, to, it that was saying that it was doing it to their car mm. systems as well, depending on how they shared the podcast with it. Um, it's just that the chat, Ben, who who actually asked, um, or whose question it was that was focused on, uh, and who's who's maybe clearest or first, uh, then his happened to be the master, the master system. So so yeah, be, bear in mind that if you your stereo does start doing weird things uh, when to thing to podcast with percents around the place, then um, then this might be the reason something as dumb as this. Yeah. Try and find something with a Android Auto or Apple CarPlay if you can, then to avoid that issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that takes us to the break, I think, Alan. Well, it does. I'm not going to say halfway this time. <laughs> it's not because it's well past halfway. <laughs> patrons, it's Guild Minute. I don't know why I'm saying patrons, it's Guild Minute. Non patrons, it's Guild Minute. Yes. Patrons are awesome already. Uh, but it's that point in the show where we remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth to you. If you feel that our wittering is worth a small amount for your hard earned cash, then please do head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange become a patron button right there on the front page. If you're already a patron, then as I've said, you're awesome. Thank you so very much. Uh, we understand that in this day and age, not everyone has the ability to contribute financially. Uh, so if you can't, or even if you can and just don't fancy it, uh, please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all that, you're absolutely wonderful. Uh, you can always tell a mate as well. Uh, steal their phone, subscribe for them. Uh, these kind of things. Uh, and do remember, folks, to subscribe. Um, it's uh it's subscribing is absolutely free decent podcast players are absolutely free uh if you're not sure how to do that if you don't know what are the decent podcast players uh no matter what type of of telephony device uh you have then do please get in touch by one of the ways that we tell you at the end of the show and uh, and we'll help you out 
scream on Twitter is is the normal way. We've we've done that a few times, mm-hmm. and either we help you out or some of our listeners help you out because yes. they're generally lovely people. <laughs> there we go. Yep. If you subscribe, yep. There we are. No. Uh, next up, just quickly, uh, coming up very soon to your televisual boxes and also to the center of Paris is the Paris E-Prix. Uh, it's coming this weekend. Yes. Just check Stacey. Yep. April 27th, this coming weekend. Um, link here in the show notes as well. How to, the ways to watch page for Formula E. Uh, it defaults certainly in the linky that we'll give you, it'll probably default to the UK, but you can always change your location and it'll tell you how you can watch it. Yep. Absolutely. Lots of ways as ever. Mm, Many, many ways as ever. And on the back of that, a quick reminder that uh, WRC Argentina is this weekend as well. Red Bull TV is always a great one to catch up. They've got usually about 45, 50 minutes of highlights of the day of the previous day. If you're not actually mm-hmm. watching it live via the website app, whatever it is you you watch it via, but this should be another cracker as as ever. Let's just see who can make it to the end. <laughs> yes, a oh, war of attrition. Yes. Well, actually, uh, on that front, I saw there was news that the oh, what was the what's the African rally that you, what was the proper name Safari Safari Rally. The organisers have been told to go away and come up with a much tougher route. It wasn't tough enough, <laughs> which, I, which I imagine all the WRC teams are going, oh, no, don't no. do that. <laughs> That's pretty rough. Though That used to be the problem. That everyone complained the Safari Rally was too hard. Well, it was horrific, wasn't it? I mean, that was the yeah. one that... You know, everybody had the ridiculous well, it, suspension it, movement and all this. Well, they had to because because everybody was out prepping the course for weeks in advance, making sure there were nice big yumps, mm. which uh, in place so they they you know get a much better view of cars sailing through the air and hopefully landing the right way up. <laughs> yes, right. I'm going to move on to the lunchtime read. Yeah, because this one's from you uh, again. You remember when we first heard that Geely? were going to invest, stroke, take over, stroke, whatever it was, become major shareholders mm. in Lotus. And we all went, oh, that sounds good. Because yes. they've done a cracking job with the companies that we know of over here in Europe and the UK. With Volvo, mm. the London Electric Vehicle Company, they've done a cracking job of seemingly give suitable amounts of cash yet still allow them a certain amount of autonomy to still retain their own identity as the company that they are. Here's money. Now, go spend it wisely. Yes. This article is uh, titled, "Why from Jalopnik, uh, Why Lotus Says This Time Will Be Different, <laughs> making direct reference to the fantasy land. <laughs> well, there has been some, some fair old fantasy, hasn't there? Yes. <laughs> from from some people, <laughs> mm-hmm. some CEOs. It goes into a, a few interviews and chats with various people involved with Lotus, and it's thankfully really quite positive. You know, the the people involved sound really positive uh, and really energised by the support they've got from Geely, and the article overall comes across as as pretty positive as well. Which obviously all of us in the UK or you know people who like Lotus 
will be going, yes, please, please, please allow Lotus to be good and not just produce special edition after special edition. Do you know? Do you want to know what I thought was quite a good, quite a good sign? Mm-hmm. Was I was a I was a Piccadilly Circus the other week, and I noticed that the Lotus store there that was opened under the Danny Bahaha <laughs> rain has now closed. Mm. And I actually took that as quite a good sign mm-hmm. because it was just a constant reminder of basically one of the more bat poo phases. <laughs> That Lotus has been through mm. in the last last decade or so. So I think I that's as pretty good. I'm I'm glad that money isn't being wasted on that kind of thing, uh, and uh, and it's hopefully being being spent in on the right kind of stuff. In the same way as it has been at, at Volvo and uh, LEVC and stuff. So. Yeah. So, or it seems to have from our layman's point of view. Yeah, from from the distance we're at, it it does it does look mm. to be um, does look to be handled in a way that allows it to be done correctly. Yeah. yeah Which absolutely. we all want. We want more we want more choice and we want these companies to survive. So fingers crossed. Do, do you not worry a little bit about that if if Lotus becomes all you know swish and proper will it still be Lotus? Because that's one of the things about Lotus is that it has constantly, you know, it's never been for me. It's been the fact their cars, their cars are just, you know, they are they're there for handling and driving. And yes, they are rough around the edges. They are not, you know, competing with Porsche and uh, Ferrari and uh, yeah. Uh, and the likes when it comes to finish quality and things like that. But you... I'd say they're competing with Ferrari. You get... <laughs> No, that's not fair, actually. I'm, I'm not sure who that's not fair to, but it's definitely not fair. Okay. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let listeners decide. Yeah. Or possibly lawyers. Lynched. <laughs> Hope not. Uh, Ferrari. <laughs> so that's that's never... You know, the the fact that it's been the... There's there's a little bit of the plucky British underdog, but yeah, but that's what I mean. Is is that not what your feel has been lost? I don't think so. If they can have a night, what I would worry is if there was suddenly a huge range of cars that were different. That would worry me that they cannot be paying the same amount of attention to detail in in the bits that really matter, like the handling, the drivability. You mean if they tried to build a whole brand new factory with a, a completely staffed by robots and then tried to build low cost cars? That ki- that kind of idea, because that's the kind of no, I'm, that I'm would be thinking crazy. No, but I'm thinking that if they're trying to sort of match on all the, you know, like there's there's some of the particularly the German manufacturers. I know where you're going, and I'm I'm whilst I'm wine, whilst I'm yanking your chain. That would that to me would ring alarm bells because that 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 would hark back to the aforementioned Danny Baja and his his seven new seven new vehicles in in all these different mm. things over three years or something. I can't remember. It was so ludicrous. Yeah. I've, I've blocked it from my brain. But uh, but that would start to hark back to that for me, and yeah, then that yeah, would yeah. definitely ring alarm bells. I yes, mean, they're gonna yes, they're yes. gonna have to come out with an SUV because are they? Yeah. Show profitability so that more investment comes from the, the from the mothership. 
It would. I mean, they're they're saying it will probably happen, but they're absolutely not giving any any dates on when or that it will happen. No, I mean, if you look at all the other companies that are doing it that you wouldn't think would have, would have done it, except for the fact that people are throwing cash at SUVs. They they are, and you know, there's worse ones that they could base it off. Yeah, they could always just rebase the London cab, of course. <laughs> Sleeker body. <laughs> yeah. With a coupe. Great turning circle. Yeah. <laughs> this has the best Great turning circle, circle in sports car history. Sports car history. <laughs> <laughs> Is it mid-engined? Well, the batteries are underneath you. Yeah. If yeah. <laughs> you get stuck in a small lane, this can get you out. <laughs> but but even then, you know, the cost of developing mod. The cost of developing vehicles with a modern level of equipment, but yet still very much Lotus, drops humongously by you know the amount of stuff that they can share with Volvo and share with their uh, Chinese, their Chinese. Well, exactly. You look at what Aston Martin are doing and what they're sharing from Mercedes, and how no one, no one sensible is actually batting an eye at that, and is actually saying, like we did uh, when we reviewed, saying. We. I'd rather we spent they spent the money on the important things rather than wasted money on a sat nav. Yeah, I mean, for how like how many years did the DB7 have the Ford Granada switches? Yeah, so years. I mean, that's just part of it. And to be honest, if then current generation Mercedes switches, then that's a huge step. Yeah, up. and and it's like they're using the AMG engine, but then they fettle with it at their end to make it very Aston-y. I'm mm. absolutely brilliant. That is a perfect use of the money uh, and business intelligence because it still still sounds fabulous. It doesn't sound yeah. like a Mercedes AMG. It sounds like an Aston Martin, and it goes like stink. So, again, with the Lotus, take the appropriate items from the sister companies and use that. So then you can mm-hmm. you can concentrate on the bits you need to that would make it a They've- Lotus. They've got access to that wide parts bin, yeah. which maybe they didn't have so much under Proton, um, and 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 yeah, and it's it a step up in quality when, as well of the parts bin. Um, yeah, probably. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, should we stop waffling about that and actually move on to the next story? Well, it's list of the week with a news item in it. I mean, I, I think we've done very well to combine two into one here. Guess who found this one? Yes, there's uh, the 2019 World Car Awards were mentioned at the New York Auto Show, which happened earlier this month, which you probably not noticed, other than the fact that people are talking about the World Car Awards. And, uh, yeah, why are they talking about the World Car Awards? Well, it's because they have some interesting... Yeah. I think that's fair enough. Interesting categories, interesting nominations in those categories. Uh, and um, A few surprises and along some, the way. Oh, a few surprises. Click here to find the third surprise. It'll amaze you. Um, yes. You'll never guess what they said. <laughs> With this one simple trick, simple trick, the the Jaguar I-Pace won the World Car Design winner. Um, yes. No, Jaguar did very well in this. There's <laughs> one simple car or something. Uh, Jaguar did very well in this, actually, which is one of the reasons why I, I think it's, it's hit uh, quite... It's it, it's become a news story so much here in the UK. Uh, 
They won the the, well, the I-Pace won World Car Design mm-hmm. uh, ahead of the Suzuki Jimny and the Volvo XC40. That's tough competition, to be fair. It is, exactly. McLaren 720S won the World Performance Car over the Aston Martin Vantage and the AMG GT four-door coupe. From all of these, I'd have said that was the easiest call. Uh, it wasn't... Yeah, probably, I think. I'm not saying it was easy, but the easiest to call. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, I'll give you that. World Green Car, Jaguar I-Pace again, beat out the Hyundai Nexo and the Audi Etron in there. The World Luxury Car, he didn't win that. The IDA7 Sport Bat won that, so we don't really care. Uh, World Urban Car, finally. <laughs> this was interesting. <laughs> this makes me laugh. It does. Because the World Urban so Cars much. were the Hyundai AH2 Sandro, which is not sold in Europe, I don't believe. No. The Kia Soul, the new one that's illustrated here from the image from World Car Awards, and the Suzuki Jimny. The, the famous urban vehicle. The least urban urban vehicle. But then you can see why it is as well. And it won, by the way. The World Urban Car is the Suzuki Jimny. The World Car of the Year. Um, it was down to the Etron, the S60 V60, and the Jaguar I-Pace, which won. So congratulations so- to Jaguar. On a triple there yeah. on the well fab news about the I Pace and how it is it is hit the nail on the head as far as journalists are concerned and it seems to with um, consumers as well mm. and I, and to be fair <laughs> Jaguar's had a rough old time recently <laughs> yeah well, they they they, they kind of need it so so, so you know. the, a bit of good news to them is. It, is not a bad thing, and it's not like no. this is a duff product either. No, I've started to see a few, quite a few of them on the road actually. Mm. They look a little bit funny in tiny wheel spec. There's some but colours that are not pretty good too looking. kind to it if you've got the wrong wheel. Yeah, you're right. You are right. I saw one that was a rather duff colour and had tiny wheels, mm. but it also said prototype vehicle on the back of it, so it was one of their own. So it may not have been a production colour in. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a customer-ordered car anyway. WLTP testing. <laughs> no, it just said prototype vehicle, yeah. usually. And it, yeah. I was about to say, and it didn't have the exhaust thing hanging off the back, and then thought, of course it doesn't, you fool. It's an EV. Yes, don't mind me. It's been a long day, everyone. <laughs> so, well done, everyone, Jaguar. And well done, Suzuki, for the Jimny. Because yes, that's- and well done to Audi as well. Yes, on their luxury, uh, on the on the luxury yeah. car there, and actually being Whatever nominated for the they were um, nominated for three or four. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've well, four, four. It's the Atron twice, yeah. at least. Uh, then the A7, and then the Q something or other Q8, I think. Yep. So no, that's it. The world one's interesting because you get such a wider breadth of people mm-hmm. voting that you do get these oddball like. No one would have predicted the Jimny was going to win that urban car, would they? Well, not really. So. Um, the thing about that one is that it's quite nice because because it's the world car. It does help move people away from the national um, prejudices yeah. that there might be. So you know, French car of the you know, French car of the year is probably going to be French. Mm. I would say the Italian car of the year is probably going to be Italian, but that's unlikely these days. 
Uh, it depends how far they whether they decide how much of FCA. The Fiat Depot. <laughs> FCA is. Is it the Fiat Five Hundred? Mm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, moving on to, we move the, to the end yes. finally, and I'll stop falling out with people. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and finally, again, uh, in contravention to the normal motoring podcast rules, I'm going to talk about a tweet from Toyota UK, and they put out a short video. Uh, Showing Spinal Track, who you will know is the the organisation that's been set up to help people who have disabilities experience what it's like to drive previously just on the tracks with race cars, but now they've moved into rally cars and they have mm-hmm. modified a couple of GT86s, hence Toyota's interest in this, and and I think they have helped along the way as well. And yep. with, with modifications like the hand controls, People can go along and do slidey, sidewaysy, looking out of side windowsy stuff on gravel and things like that. So in the show notes will be a link to the video, which is it's only forty odd seconds long. Great little bit of demonstration, but I'll also have links to Spinal Tracks website as well, so you can explore that further. Because I think that they're obviously always looking for uh, donators if you are inclined or in a position to help them out then they would probably they would definitely greatly receive that uh, but also if you want to explore what else they do and what how they do it and what the the idea is behind that if you've not heard the two rear views one with uh, Natalie McLoyne and the other with Andrew Bayliss then uh, you can explore it yourself and find out why they're doing it and and what a difference it is actually making to people you beat me to if you weren't going to do the uh to, to do the cross plug there, then I definitely was because because uh, Natalie and Andrew's rear views are particular. I don't know. I hate picking one above another when it comes to rear view, but they are particularly interesting for all the right reasons around around this kind of stuff. Um, yep. Yeah, do please do that and go see what Spinal Track are up to as well, and and check out uh, and check out that Toyota mm-hmm. video. Brilliant stuff. Parish notes. I just wanted to say congratulations to Hubnut for reaching 30,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yes, we have 89,000. Yeah, something like Yeah, definitely. <laughs> YouTube, our primary yes. output. We do so much. Um, Talking of which, I know I have a couple yes. of videos to sort there. Yeah, I've got some stuff I need to do as well. Uh, yeah, well done, Ian. It's great stuff. It's uh, I watch pretty much all of it because, because I... I I like that kind of stuff. Um, it's great, but it's reassuring as as a person who tries to make things that hopefully other people like to listen, stroke watch. That there are people out there who want to listen and watch to, you know, more independent people rather yeah, well, than just the big well, names. So that's we've always we've always said, and it's it's why we have listeners, is that there is a there is a desire by whatever number of people to, to get the sort of more in-depth nerdy stuff. And, and that's kind of what, what we do as well. Mm. But definitely what Ian, well, what Ian does, but from a different slant is brilliant stuff. I, I love it. Really do. Yep. Speaking of in-depth and nerdy stuff, we released a special edition on Good Friday. It was me at Litchfield Motors. Mm-hmm. So have a little bit of a chat there, a little bit of a drive there, a little bit of a chat about what I drove. Do take a listen uh, if you haven't already. It's. Uh, I'm quite proud of it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's. A, I think it's a good one. Mm-hmm. And if there's other other sort of go visit or go speak to stuff, then um, people you, you think we should 
try to have a speech to. And this is more about stuff and not people, by the way. People is very much rear view. This is, this is stuff and companies. Then, then do please suggest it be, be yeah. interesting to do. Time and availability permitting as usual with our <laughs> stuff. I'm so sorry. I wish I didn't have to say that, but I really do. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, which brings us to the end for this week. No, uh, there's going to be a review Friday. There is? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, I recorded it yesterday. Okay. <laughs> so if you feel, if you, what did I say? Correlation and causation earlier on. <laughs> okay. There will be a review on Friday, everyone. You, you heard that from Andrew and he's, he's not showing me the finger, although I'm sure he's very tempted to <laughs> right at the moment. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Looking forward to that. Don't forget, everyone, between now and next week, when we'll be back on Tuesday again, because this is really messing with my head this week. <laughs> uh, you can, oh, I tell you, is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? No, it's Wednesday. Oh, I Not don't know. I've of been off in work any shape for five form, days. But... I know. <laughs> Completely messed up. Yeah, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about Patreon, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Uh, Andrew, if people want to ask you about how to subscribe and what app you'd recommend, how best can they get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you and wonder why you never had any of the Japanese manufacturer articles this week, what's the best way for them to do that? It was a lovely change. I'm on Twitter as well, where it's at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. I think actually it was people complaining of all the drinking they've had to do lately. I know. Well, I can believe that too. <laughs> Tell me about it. I've still not quite finished mine. We will be back next week, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>